I started my first podcast in 2012, maybe 2013. At the time, I used a MacBook Pro, and I ran a Blue Yeti microphone through it. I was never happy with the gain on that microphone. I always had way more background noise than I wanted. It would, when I thought I was in a silent room, it would pick up. Um, it seemed like sounds from the apartment next door. Super sensitive. No matter what I did with the gain. Back then, it was clear that you needed to have an external microphone because the majority of headsets that you'd use had pretty poor microphones just for normal phone just for normal phone calls but for the last few years on my iPhone especially with AirPods two people Having a conversation over AirPods is a thing of beauty. The clarity is really impressive, and I never notice any issues in my day-to-day. -day. So when I decided to create the Patrick Ely podcast, where I knew a lot of my guests were going to be remote, and we'd be speaking over a program like Zoom, I assumed that there would be very little cost associated with getting up and running because the headset slash microphones that I had had come a long way since the days of my original podcast and should more than suffice. So then I remembered that podcasting is now an industry like everything else. And so... We need to create tiers for quality and exclusive exclusivity. And of course, when I use the podcasting recording software, the algorithms or whatever they're called, we're going to find a way to make me feel I needed more. So when I listened to the recordings of the Zoom meetings, for example, they sounded terrible, surprisingly terrible, more terrible than our conversations themselves had sounded. But that's not really a complaint or a criticism, it just is. And so I was okay with investing in a higher quality microphone. Nothing ridiculous. I'm not changing the world here yet, but something that allowed me to sound good, and if I had a good thought or two, would help me convey that in a quality manner. So I just ordered what I used to have, a Blue Yeti. Assuming that it would have fixed all of the problems, being that it's the number one podcasting microphone, at least on its advertisements in the world. And the sensitivity was still just unacceptable. 
So I get a couple more USB microphones, and then I come to find out that the USB microphone scene is very limited, especially in terms of quality, and you really need to have an XLR with an audio interface. Then I find out that not all audio interfaces, which is a separate piece of hardware, not all of them interface with my M1 MacBook and my M1, uh, pardon me, Mac. And my M1 Mac is a non-negotiable. So I had to navigate that. And then as I continue to get microphones, and I believe I need a condenser microphone, but I'm speaking through a dynamic one right now and it's my favorite so far. But as I go through microphones, certain ones sound off in certain settings and it just goes on and on and on and on. Unless, of course, you buy a $600 microphone. And I get about a month into fooling all of this before I catch myself and see what's happening here. Who cares? Spend a little extra money, not $600 but just get something that works and move on. What incredible podcaster do you hear complaining about microphones all of the time? Or going through millions of them? No, they're spending their time creating quality content and then living a life that allows them to come up with said quality content. My mic search had led me to forums and product reviews all over the internet, and I had read reviews by many podcasters who had a laundry list of microphones. They were clearly collecting them and reading reviews, and the microphone had become their preoccupation, and I hadn't heard of any of these podcasters. I don't think any of us have. I think you kind of should have a minimum number of listeners to say that you are a podcaster. I have a podcast, but I do other things. It would be cool if I could say I'm a podcaster. I feel like that should kind of mean that you, your income comes from podcasting. I don't know. But the people spending their time going through all of these mics were not spending their time having successful podcasts. So I'm down to three microphones now. And one of the biggest ironies is the Blue Yeti that I don't like is still in the running. Because it should be simpler. It's a USB mic. The other mics that I like go through this audio interface thing. The USB mic does the mixing within a little bit of software slash hardware on the microphone. Plugs directly into USB. You don't need any other pieces of equipment. And goes right into your mixer, whether you're using like ProLogic or GarageBand or Audacity, I guess. I don't know what else people use. But the truth is I just don't like the mic. 
I'm trying to save a couple of bucks and it should work. But the truth is it just doesn't. And that's not a criticism, it's just an observation. Another observation is that my trip down the rabbit hole with microphones is a lot like the rest of our lives. We're usually so caught up in the minutia or dealing with a whole bunch of problem solving, putting out fires, that we don't have time to get to the things that are really important to us. And then we say, well, once I get through this, or once this happens, things will feel better. And what we're kind of suggesting when we say that is that we'll feel calmer, that there'll be space, that there'll be peace. But inevitably, when you get to the spot where you were assuming some space or some peace, it's immediately filled up with the thing that you actually asked for. And then the moment you get the thing that you actually asked for, you're expected to manage it. And as you're expected to manage it, life shows up. In fact, life never went away. And you're continuing to deal with the same issues or maybe worse issues, bigger fires than you were putting out before you got to the place where you thought you'd have some space. That's why success is actually about dealing with adversity. Success is about embracing the grind of negativity. Success is about transcending that stuff. Success is not about avoiding it. More often when people are successful, they're more often spending their days going to war, going to battle, versus just kicking back and relaxing. When you kick back and relax, in this world, you, you, you usually lose your place in line. Many a podcaster, I'm sure, has never actually become a podcaster because they got derailed from their dream by self-doubt or a busy schedule. Fear of sharing their thoughts to the point that they never actually made a podcast that they put out. And many of those would-be podcasters probably thought, if I could just get this out, it would be smooth sailing from there. I could do all of the other things. And maybe they could do all of the other things that they imagined themselves doing, but maybe they didn't imagine themselves trying to find a mic that made their vocals sound buttery smooth. Maybe that search for a mic would have derailed them from searching for quality content.
within the rich vocal. I don't know, and it's not a criticism, it's just an observation. I observed a lot of patients come into my office who were new to me, but veterans of coming to doctors to find out what was wrong with them. Many of those people were too preoccupied with searching for someone who would validate with names what was wrong with them versus taking action. And they didn't have the time to take action to rehabilitate themselves from whatever it was that was ailing them, which would have resolved had they just taken the time to rehabilitate themselves. Their mind didn't have room when I told them to do physical therapy to hear that. And so they remained sedentary searching on the internet for the name to the ever-changing list of symptoms that they had. And then we do it in our own lives. I've always been a little extreme. And for a long time after my adolescence, I avoided what was bothering me so much that I essentially blocked it out of my mind. I forgot that it happened. And I passionately attacked other pursuits that were quote-unquote health-related to avoid my own health. And then when I did address what was wrong with me, I wanted to focus so much on the minutia of what exactly was wrong with me rather than just focusing on the big picture of acknowledging that it happened and acknowledging how I had changed from those events and then figuring out within those changes what aspects were advantageous for me. Right? Because anytime we have something that is painful or traumatic or we didn't want to go through, we learn lessons from it. Quite often people who experience childhood trauma, if they make it and I am not in any way saying that trauma is a blessing, but if they are <clears throat> unlucky enough to experience trauma and then make it out on the other side, they often have some sort of superpower in terms of their character drive or determination. But other people choose to dwell on the fact that they struggled or had trauma. And it's not a criticism, it's just an observation. But the act of dwelling and the justification for it is to figure out what's wrong. But 99.9% .9 of the time, we all know what's wrong, right? The dwelling should only be spent figuring out what's right. And then taking that and using that in the present for your future. If you never address trauma, you can never address what changed. You can never understand it. And that's a confusing place to be because you don't really know who you are. But once you address it and you realize what your story is,
then generally speaking, people who take those lessons and then move forwards come out on the other side with success. Whereas the people who spend all of their time dwelling and searching instead of being in the present find themselves dwelling and searching. And there's no income, mental or physical, to those activities. And many people who have spent a long period of time dwelling and searching, who have spent too long, they start to see doing the right thing as the Holy Grail. They make the next mistake of telling themselves, well, once I move forwards, things will be easy. I will have space. I will have time. I will feel the calm. They're forgetting that that's when the real work starts. That's when the work towards what their actual dreams are begins. Moving forwards with the tools they've gleaned from getting through their adversity. But that's when the real work starts. The plan shouldn't be, I just need to get here and I can breathe easy. The plan should be, I need to methodically pace myself into getting to where I need to go so that I can create a groove a system, a strategy for doing the right thing over and over as I meet more adversity. The plan should be to train yourself to transcend adversity if that's what you want to do. As far as these microphones go, my plan should not be to find the perfect microphone. My plan should be to sit in front of a microphone and run my mouth in front of a microphone until the right things come out. And then things won't be easier. Then I'll have the opportunity to work with the right things. Most people aren't going to be podcasting, but just about everyone can invest. And investing a lot of the same rules hold true. As a day trader, I had more success trading just two or three stocks using options than when I spent time trying to find the best opportunity within the stock market each day. When I spent too much time focused on trying to find the stock to focus on, I forgot to do my analysis of a stock, stocks I already knew well, specifically. And that reduced my skill rather than focusing on continuing to refine that skill. When people look to get into the stock market, they should try to understand what their goals are 
and have a portfolio designed around those goals. And as other people create a lot of noise within the market, they should be prepared to ignore them. If your goal is to follow trends, then you should learn to pay attention to what other people are talking about within the market prior to creating an opinion around those subjects. If all you're doing is listening to yourself, you won't be able to hear what the public is saying. The times when you will make your greatest leaps as an investor are the times when you navigate disasters the best. Bubbles bursting and markets crashing are inevitable if you trade long enough. And that's the time when the most quote-unquote millionaires are created, historically. People who navigate through the market, generally hanging in or buying in when times are the toughest, and people who take money out once they have nearly lost everything. I learned about that from martial arts more than anything. From the outside looking in, MMA seems barbaric and full of luck, just two people swinging at each other. But once you learn how to fight, you learn how silly just swinging at someone is and how easy it is to prevent someone from hurting you if you see them just swinging at you. You realize that there's a lot of technique and then there are traps within each one of those techniques. The trap is getting overly excited about that technique and forgetting what else matters within a fight or within a certain martial art, for instance, jujitsu. People will get overly caught up in training from weak positions within jujitsu, which works on weak opponents until they have someone who has more skill than their training partners and they shut down and maintain the fact that they're in a weak position with ease. It's important to remember to train the things that don't excite you. And you got into martial arts to train for self-defense or to train to fight someone else who wants to hurt you. You didn't get into martial arts to train what looked cool. And if you did at a certain point, you found out that real fighting was not for you. So once you get in, most people are going to find plenty of reasons to get out. It's harder to become a black belt than it is to learn how to fight or to start going to an initial martial arts class. And if you can't consistently avoid the distractions, you'll run out of time before you can progress to that level. Short of real war, it's one of the best examples for teaching people that economy of time and movement 
and body. You can only get your neck choked so many times before you get a real serious injury in your neck. You can only get arm barred so many times before your elbows just don't work. And you can only get knocked out so many times before you can't piece a sentence together properly. And your memory looks much the same. I see it in every other physical practice. And it's always that way in healing. If you don't focus on the prime modalities for fixing an injury, even if you do a thousand little things that may, or, that may help a little bit, you're not going to get the right outcomes. But almost always people post-surgery who follow their post-operative therapy get better. I maybe saw one or two people who didn't resolve after things like knee surgeries and shoulder surgeries, neck surgeries, back surgeries. And I saw people who didn't follow the treatment plans or expected it to just fall together once they got the surgery. Once I started the podcast. Once I found the perfect mic. Once I discovered what the name of my illness was. Once I faced my trauma. Once I signed up for jujitsu class. Once I put some money in the stock market. Once I found the hottest stock for the week. I get the surgery. Okay, I faced my fear. No, you got the opportunity now to fix yourself through rehabilitation. So you got an ACL surgery. Well, part of your leg wasn't connected anymore. It did not have the ability to heal or move properly. A surgeon went in and made a connection. You now have to teach the body how to utilize that connection, how to be a leg again. And that's not the surgeon's fault if you don't make that connection. But that's what people will say. They will say, well, I must have gotten a bad surgery because my shoulder didn't get better. But you didn't rehabilitate your shoulder. The surgeon's work is still there. The suture is still closed. It's not a criticism, it's an observation. I think people should do what they want. If someone's goal is to be happy and they're not happy, is to be kind and they're not kind, is to start a podcast and they haven't started the podcast, is to be the best engineer on their team, is to be a world champion. If those are your goals, then you need a system. Part of the system is the forest from the trees. Each microphone I've gone through has been a tree. And if I wasn't careful, I'd forget the part the forest was playing from focusing too much on how that tree fit into the forest. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Also, check out the Patrick Ely channel on YouTube where I post workouts, ramblings, and Jenna teaches yoga. Visit HealthyShelf.com for California farm stand and CSA reviews if you're on the West Coast. Always support local businesses. And you can support my efforts directly at Patreon.com 
forward slash Patrick Ely. The best way to get in touch with me is on Instagram at PBCN. If you don't want to waste time with your health, you need to make sure you get enough protein and vegetables. Orgain's organic plant-based supplements can give you a boost in both departments. They don't contain any fillers, low-quality vitamin powders, or artificial sweeteners. They are also low-carbohydrate, gluten-free, and high in healthy fats. I use their superfood blend, and from time to time, I also use their organic nut and seed protein powder. I've never been big on pea protein, and I love that they have this option. For all the pea lovers, my girlfriend uses Orgain's Organic Plant-Based Protein and Superfoods Protein Powder. It's both vegetable green food and protein in a single product with a great vanilla taste. They also sell collagen, nutrition bars, and healthy drinks for kids. Use the coupon code PATRICK30 to get 30% off of your entire first order at Orgain.com.